Welcome to episode 178 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast, part of the Dorkening Network, and as a result, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are broadcasting here deep within the bowels of the Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, and I am joined, of course, by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine, and the queen of the monsters, and... As of this weekend, an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes About Nightmare. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm just dandy. Were you talking to me or were you talking about the people at home? The, the people cat, at home. The, the, cat, the cat just answered. She yeah, says she's tired. Talking to her. She says she's hungry, even though we just fed her. Yeah, I know. It's because we couldn't find her and we had to, like, we spread treats out. We opened up uh, a can of food. I think that was her plan the whole time. She's got us trained. Uh, so this week, I know last week we said we we're going to be uh, interviewing Mr. Dominic Pace from The Mandalorian, but unfortunately, well, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, uh, he got booked on another acting gig, so he was able to get some work in, so we weren't able to interview him, but uh, I'm hoping that we get to talk to him real soon. However, we did get some pretty awesome content from this past weekend at Super Mega Fest. Do you want to talk a little bit about Super Mega Fest? Super Mega Fest was a super mega good time. Um, yeah, we've been to this convention before. It was a few years ago. Actually, we went for one of the Warriors reunions. Yeah, it was uh, 2016, and it was held in a different venue in April. This this past weekend, Super Mega Fest was held at the same uh, Sheridan in Framingham, Mass, where uh, uh, Scarecon was. Yep. So. Well, we we did some crazy things, and we did some awesome stuff and met some awesome people. So you want to elaborate a little bit on uh, who we saw and what we saw and where we saw them as the cat, like, jumps up on the back of your chair and starts ripping the hell out of my coat? Um, Sure. So we were there with the Dorkening Network. Uh, it was a pretty crazy awesome convention. It was only two days, but let me tell you, those two days were pretty jam-packed with people and stuff and things you know, nouns. Um, yeah. So many nouns just verbing all over the place. We had some great conversations with some people, uh, some of the patrons there, some of the other vendors, some cosplayers. Saw some really great cosplays there as well. Uh, some people who I didn't even know who they were supposed to be, but I mean, I can, I can still appreciate a well-put-together ensemble. So a lot of talented, talented people out there we were there, like I said, with the Dorkening Network doing some promoting. And we also had something that we had never done before as a network. We had a raffle going on, which was kind of cool. Uh, it's the raffle that we told you about last week on the show, the Star Wars raffle that we ended up raising some decent money for the Oh, excuse me, for the network. So thank you to everyone who participated, everyone who bought tickets online, people who showed up at MegaFest to purchase tickets from us because that money is going to go back into the network so we can do some really awesome things in the upcoming year, including some charitable work as well. Yeah, because you talked to a couple of charitable uh, organizations while we were there. There was one right next to us. Some other folks came up and chatted with you. Yeah, some really interesting charities, too. Uh, people are getting really creative with how they present themselves and how they present their different charities and how they raise money for different charities. So I'm hoping that we can do some, some tag team work in the future 
and and do some really cool stuff. But um, but yeah. So again, thank you to everyone who who bought raffle tickets and stuff because, like I said, the money is going to go right back into the network. We have some stuff that we're talking about doing. Some more fundraisers we're planning as well. Some more raffles. We have something coming up for Wicked Weekend in a couple of weeks. Oh and you'll be God. able to participate online as well, that's, so stay tuned for that. That's only a couple of weeks away. Like I Thanksgiving know. Thanksgiving is next week. It's the holidays. It's uh, And typically, November is the end of conventions, but then Wicked Weekend comes along and is like, no, ma'am, December it is. Because, so, I mean, typically we don't do conventions in December. To, yeah, you know, usually it's, it's, it's usually just like... Now it's Christmas and we're doing Christmas stuff. But um, yeah, it's usually Rhode Island Comic Con is usually like kind of like the end of the year. Yeah. One of the last things that we participate in. So because last year Super Mega Fest was the same weekend as Rock and Shock. It was. And uh, this year they changed it so they would be in November. But there's other cons that like I didn't even know about, but I'm learning about from people at these conventions, you know, we have like uh, our our buddy Tim Jones was at KidsCon up in Portland, Maine last week. You know, I didn't even know that was a thing. But yeah, we met some really cool people. We uh, I finally got a chance to meet in person Matches Malone, who's a really great Batman cosplayer. Uh, you got yourself a pretty awesome necklace from one of the vendors. I did. So if you follow me on social media, you will have seen my picture of my fabulous snake necklace, Team Slytherin. Um, I actually got that from a vendor at this convention. And she's actually a vendor that we've seen before because we saw her and we're like, wow, you look really familiar. And now we're friends. So it's all great. But uh, Scully Couture. Uh, you can go to Scully Couture on Facebook. That is S-K-U-L-L-Y. And Couture is spelled with a K-O-U-T-U-R-E. Uh, she has some really awesome like vintage jewelry, handmade jewelry, accessories, scarves, so many really cool things. Um, and she's, she's awesome, too. She's a really cool person. So uh, her Heather. name is Heather. Yeah. And she goes around to different conventions selling her wares and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was my that was my big con purchase. <laughs> this convention was my my fabulous blinged out Slytherin snake necklace. Yeah, we don't we don't generally spend a ton of money at cons. Although well, we find ourselves going to a lot of cons, though. Yeah. a lot more cons than we used to. Well, I had, I had planned I was going to get. Um, some autographs because I have a poster signed by several of the warriors and I was going to try to get more autographs, but it's just, you know, autographs are very expensive. And when you pile one on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, pretty soon you're broke and you're eating your car, which you're now living in. So it's tough, but I did end up coming across a really good deal because I am a huge fan of the warriors, as you knew from last week's episode. And again, from, uh, some of the interviews that you'll hear later today, but I ended up going to uh, what I called Warriors Alley because they had all the the folks from the Warriors uh, on tables facing each other. Well, not on, but behind tables facing each other, straight down. So it kind of created like a road. It'd be kind of uncomfortable if they were on the table. It would, but it would be a position of power. They'd be like looking down on everyone, like their loyal subjects, you know, like a Cersei Lannister type thing. Uh, I could get behind that. Um, they had. Because this was the 40th anniversary reunion tour, they had these really special uh, Warriors 40th anniversary uh, reunion shirts 
So on the front, it says Warriors, you know, 40th anniversary. And on the back, it has the big Warriors logo and it says 1979 to 2019, which is really cool. And this was a super mega fest exclusive, like you can't get them anywhere else. And I saw everybody wearing them and I had said to Ashes, I was like, man, you know, I'd be willing to spend like 40 bucks on one of those shirts. And she's like. It's a sweatshirt. There's no way it's going to cost that much. Yeah, I was just, I was telling him, I was like, there's no way in hell that that's going to cost you less than maybe $60, $65 at a convention for a sweatshirt. Um, and boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I ended up, uh, I went over there after we got a few interviews. All the, all the warriors were like, all right, we have to go because it's time for our photo op. They were going to get a professional photo op done of themselves and then, you know, with some folks. So it's like, oh, all right. Um, well, let me, you know, while we're here, let me see how much these these shirts are. And I looked, and the sweatshirt was 40 They had a T-shirt with the same same exact uh, design. That was 20 and a patch that was 5 But if you got all three, it was only $50. So I was like, well, I'm no economics major, but I know a good deal when I see it. So I got all three, and you know, that sweatshirt is one of the most comfortable sweatshirts I have. It's very high quality. The patch is really awesome. Uh, it's a 40th anniversary patch, and again, it's not something you can get anywhere else. So I, I was super excited for that. Um, I ended up picking up a couple of pins. I got an enamel pin uh, of the Warriors logo. I got another one of kind of looks like a plaque that you would see like on a, a bench or at the base of a statue, and it just says, you just soldier and keep your mouth shut, which I thought was awesome. And uh, yeah, we did we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of walking around. We saw a lot of cool vendors. At one point, I thought there was a, a a food vendor inside, like the main vending hall, and I was very confused because I went over there and it was just all weapons. And if you look at it from a distance, it did look like they were being presented underneath a heat lamp. So it looked like there was like some deliciousness brewing underneath that. And as you get closer, and it was behind glass. Yeah, yeah, because it like it, it looked like it was a serving area. Uh, it it, it he's came over and he was like i i thought that was food and i said no i i would think that was food too because that's exactly what it looked like because to be fair there was right next to them there was a a, a booth selling brownies and over about 20 feet in the opposite direction there was another booth selling cupcakes that were just out in the open so it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility but if you saw it you'd be like oh okay you know it was like if you've ever been to like moe's or like a fancy salad bar or yeah. like, you know, Subway. Yeah, like it, everything's behind the glass and like you pick out what you want. You know, behind the, the sneeze glass. Yeah, yeah. the sneeze guard. Yeah. Back uh, back before the sneeze guard was actually a guy that karate chopped you every time you tried to sneeze. I don't know if that ever happened. but So let's. Uh, do you have any other stuff you want to talk about with uh, Super Mega Fest or do you want to get into the, the, the Saturday night festivities? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. We had a great time. They were just very professional. It was super crowded, but it never felt claustrophobic to me. It was it was very well organized. I thought it they did a great job getting as many people as they could into the areas. Um, yeah, it was a good time. We had uh, we, our table was down the end of the hall, right by the uh, the, well, uh, the panel piano, rooms. Yeah, yeah. So we got to see some people, and which is great because. Um, you know, like I said, we did the the VIP party, and my parents went. And um, right where our table was, right around the corner, about ten feet away, is where the uh, 
the Warriors VIP uh, experience was. So it was great for my parents because they didn't have to walk that much. It was it was a unique experience for my parents. This is their first convention. Yeah, they'd never been to anything like this. And I mean, granted, they came later on in the day. Yeah, they came around so, four, four, yeah, as as things were winding down. So, uh, which was funny because your dad was like, "Oh, there's too many people here. I need to go outside and get some air." And it's like, dude, you should have been here two hours ago when like you couldn't even walk through the halls because there were so many yeah. people. Um, so it's almost a good thing that they didn't come earlier because I feel like they would have. I mean, they were overwhelmed to begin with, but I think that if if they had come earlier, they really would have. Been been overwhelmed and yeah and you know but it was nice that we were in that hallway and there were a couple of nice chairs so they could sit because my you know my mom had just uh, had an incident where she fell down a couple of stairs and like landed hard and kind of hurt her back a little bit so I'm I'm kind of glad that we were located where we were located because she didn't have to do a lot of walking I don't know who she was talking but your mom was making friends with everyone everybody that walked by one of the most dangerous things we did was introduce her to Alex Hoey's mom because the two of them could just go forever. But, like, thankfully, Alex was a little bit further down the hall and, like, we hadn't gotten to our table yet. So my mom didn't have a chance to kind of, like... they did. It was, it'd be like if two black holes crashed into each other because they would just talk because they're both very nice ladies. And they would just talk and talk and talk. And it would be crazy. Uh, but that didn't stop my mom from talking to pretty much everyone that walked by. And, you know, my uh, my dad and my mom got to meet a bunch of people. They met uh, our good buddy Steve Van Sampson. They met Leo. They met Kevin. <coughs> they met uh, pretty much everybody that we knew that was down there that they, they got to meet. Um, so when it came time for the uh, the VIP party, you know, we went in. We watched the film. And it was really cool getting a chance. They were... The big thing was nobody knew how to operate all the lights. We were trying; they were trying to shut off all the lights, but like they'd hit one switch and some lights would go off. Then they hit another switch, and then like the same lights that just turned off would turn on, but other lights would turn on. It was like a puzzle. It was really weird. But Ash has found out something because she doesn't really watch movies with my dad. I don't think she ever has. My dad, my brothers, and I have one specific trait when we watch movies, right? You guys cannot shut the fuck up. No, and it wasn't just you and your dad. It's your mom, too. I was getting it from every single angle. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, uh, it's it, like, oh, my God, just shut up and enjoy the freaking movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, we've, we've enjoyed the movie so many times, like, it's not even funny. So after the movie, we got to do a, a little Q&A, and I asked the first question because... You know, I was like Johnny on the spot, ready to go. I think I kind of took them by surprise. And, you know, you can you can vouch for me on this one because they're like, oh, we got to get a microphone. And I was like, don't worry, I can project. And they all started laughing. And I think it was uh, David Harris who played Cochise was like, oh, you must be from Brooklyn. It's like, no, no, don't worry. I got it. So, you know, uh, several people asked questions. There were some really good stories that we heard the uh story that Dorsey Wright told about James Ramar being in character and confronting Homicide Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> that was a great story. Um, and so afterwards, you know, the, the Q&A is over. Now we're going to talk to, you know, everybody's kind of clearing out so they can make room for Tommy Waits and his band. And uh, 
my dad's like, well, I don't need any pictures. Uh, you know, we'll just wait in line. We'll get, we'll, they were giving out, uh, commemorative posters and commemorative patches. Uh, so it's basically like the Warriors logo, but it says Super Mega Fest on it. They're really well done. They're really cool. I, I thought they were friggin' awesome. And my dad's like, well, I don't, I don't need any pictures. Uh, you know, he's too cool for everything, you know? And I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's talk to Cleon for a second. You know, Dorsey Wright, let's talk to him for a minute. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess. And like, Two seconds in, he starts t- telling like his life story. He's telling the the story of my youngest brother getting you know getting him in trouble for running around yelling "Can you dig it?" at two years old. Well, and it was really funny because while your dad's you know telling us, we're like, "Hey, you know, they're doing like a little meet and greet, so you can go up. We can see if we can get a picture. You can talk to him and stuff." And while he's sitting there trying to be like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever," like I don't, I don't need to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Patrick is making his way up. His dad is is slowly falling in, and his mom's like, "Okay, are you ready to go?" And I overheard his dad telling his mom, "Like, no, I'm I'm gonna get my picture taken with the Warriors." Like, like really excited, like, "No, I'm not ready yet. I'm gonna get my picture taken." And in in the same breath, telling Patrick, "No, no, it's not a big deal. Like, whatever, whatever." It's like, dude, you're excited. Like, yeah, it was. Shut up. Like, try it. Just stop. If any of you follow me on Facebook or saw my. Uh, my tweets that I sent out uh, Saturday night. There's a picture of me and my dad and Dorsey Wright. And and your dad has the biggest freaking grin on his face. He was having such a good time. He's yeah, so he happy. Really was. It was it was awesome. It was great to share this with my dad. It was uh, it and it was, was so cute because he was talking to anybody who would listen, telling that story about your brother. And uh, my mom ended up hitting it off with Bobby Mannix. Who uh, was was in attendance because she did the uh, she did the costume design, and uh, you'll actually hear from her a little later on. But my mom was chatting with her and chatting with her and chatting with her, like we're getting our stuff, getting ready to go because you know it's getting late and we have to get home. But we ended up we ended up not leaving. We stayed for a little while to listen to some of the concert, and my mom brings her over to us. Because we're at, you know, again, we're at our table because, you know, it's right outside the room where the, the, the VIP was. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is this is my son and this is my daughter-in-law. And they they do a they do a podcast and this and that. And so, you know, Bobby starts chatting with us. And one thing she's like, oh, well, why don't you come upstairs tomorrow? Because there was two floors of the convention. Come upstairs tomorrow. And, you know, if you talk to me first, I'll introduce you to all the guys and this and that. So we ended up. We got most of our content for this week's show because my mom made friends with a costume designer at a VIP experience at her first ever uh, convention, which is just, if I had scripted it, I wouldn't have made it happen that way. Yeah, it's it's hilarious because your mom is a talker. She talks to, like we said, pretty much everybody and anybody who will listen to her she'll she'll strike up a conversation with you she'll talk so it's kind of cool that you know this time it worked in our favor a little bit and bobby was great we had a fantastic interview with her and she introduced us to the rest of the guys um and you know it was it was awesome so you're going to hear that in a little bit yeah and she was she's just like on i was wearing like i have this nice black kind of like warmer winter vest but not like one of those big puffy ones it just it's nice for cooler weather it has a hood it has some nice pockets i like it and she's like oh he goes why don't you have a patch you should have a patch on there and she's looking at it, she goes this just screams rogues to me you should have a rogues patch on there and 
you know, she's just like sizing up my outfit and telling me how to improve it and like make it more like warriors friendly. And so it, that was that was really cool. We had a we had a blast with uh, with her and talking to the other uh, warriors. And you know, they came up. They were hugging us when when they were leaving. Uh, Terry Micus hugged us. Um, Michael Beck actually shook my hand and thanked me for good questions, which I thought was awesome. And even before that, when you're you were walking your parents out, uh, one of the the people who uh, was there with them, I guess they call them handlers. I don't really like that term, but that's you know they're they're companions or whoever yeah, the travels folks with that them. Sit with them and yeah, you know, yeah. Guide them back uh, he came around. over and he was just kind of looking at our booth and stuff, and uh, he was looking at checking out Patrick's bag that has a lot of pins and stuff on it. And I was there. I was on my phone, and he was like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry." He's like, "I just I just really like." pins i was just checking out these pins and stuff and i said well i'm like would you like a pin i'm like we have pins we're podcasters you can have one of our podcasting pins and he just got really excited and he was like oh thank you yeah this is awesome and so you know i just kind of told him who we were and what we did and gave him a pin and he was super excited and then a Two minutes later, he comes back and hands me this Warriors enamel pin. And he said, here, let's let's call it a trade. And I was like, holy shit. Like the, the pins that cost like $10, 10 a piece. $15 a piece. He just comes in hands, like gives it to me. Because that's what I spent on the other one. Yeah, yeah. So like he was just like, here, let's let's trade. I said, oh, wow. Like, thank you and, so much. And before you wonder... That was Saturday and I, I bought my pin on Sunday because I wanted to have a second one like just in case this one falls off my bag or my coat or my vest or wherever I plan on putting it or wherever I end up putting it, I should say, um, I want to have a backup just in case because these things are super cool. Yeah, and it was great. And he put our pin on and he went yeah. back in. He just, he had a, he had this really sweet like Japanese Pac-Man sweatshirt and he had the, the pin right underneath one of the ghosts. It was super cool. Like. I I was really impressed. Yeah, and he with how said cool that he, he was, was going to when he gets back to wherever home base is for him. Uh, he was going to put it with his collection on on whatever he puts his pins on. So yeah, which is super cool. Kind of like yeah. how I have stickers all over my my dresser right now. You know, he has and, his pins. Somewhere. And speaking of Sunday, see one of my favorite things of con- about conventions is you never know who you're going to run into. So they typically have celebrity spaces and whatnot where you can go in and get your autographs and your pictures. But, you know, the celebrities don't like to stay chained to their booth. They they also like to go out and, you know, go out for air or cigarette, what have you, go to the bathroom, get something to drink. You know, they're fully capable of being fully functioning humans on their own. Uh, sometimes they like to walk around and look at the other vendors and stuff Sunday morning we ran into Dee Dee Benray of the Warriors um, you know struck up a conversation with her real briefly she said you know apologized said she had to she was just on break and had to get back to her her booth um, and as she was walking away I said go team Lizzie's and she's like I'm gonna make you an honorary Lizzie now for those of you who uh, aren't quite sure which of the ladies she is she's the one who uh, when you when you first you see her a couple of times but she's the girl that vermin looks at right before he grabs the other girl and walks off and she's like oh hey thanks a lot and she's also the girl who locks the door that Cochise later busts through she looks exactly the same. I don't think she's oh, she aged. She looks amazing. I don't think any of them have aged. Not really, no. Like, 
Yes. Uh, Their hair color may have changed. Well, I was going to say, Tom, Mike, you know, Tom, Tom Tommy Waits and, and Michael Beck. They're just they have white hair now, but they look the same. Like Brian Tyler, who played Snow, looks exactly the same. Dorsey Wright, who plays Cleon, looks exactly the same. Like everyone looks the same. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, yeah. Uh, Deborah von Valkenberg. Yeah, look, still looks the same. Yeah, she looks still great. looks the same, uh, and she was great too at the Q and A. Uh, very quick witted, just like her character Mercy. Yeah, and we uh, we chatted with her a little bit. She's not a huge fan of uh, being interviewed, so we just kind of chatted back and forth without you know putting anything on. So if you're wondering why you don't hear anything from her, that's why. We also um, unfortunately didn't get to chat with Michael Beck because he was. Uh, busy trying to uh, put together like a nice little autograph package for uh, one of uh, Bobby's friends. And uh, so he was kind of running around towards the end of the show and they were trying to, everybody was packing up, trying to get ready to leave. So I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'd love to chat with you, but I know you're busy. You know, here's a card. Hopefully I hear from him. If not, you know, no big deal. I'm sure he'll be back around for the 45th and 50th uh, reunion. So, you know, um, and that's that's the key, I think, with getting interviews. Like, if you don't you don't harass people. Like, even Brian Tyler was kind of like, well, you know. But then he saw my, my Patsy shark. I was wearing my shirt with my shark on it. And he's like, oh, tell me about the shirt. So I, I told him. And he's like, you know what? I like you already. Yeah, let's, let, let's do this. And we were chatting with um, Terry Micus when, um, no, Tom Waits, when um, the guy who kind of put the whole Warriors aspect of this together, his name was Gary. He came over and he's like, hey, David Harris wants to talk with you guys, you know, wants you to interview him. So it's like, fuck, yeah, let's go to right? it. Like, that's awesome. Right. It's And one of the cool things about conventions in general is the fact that you do get to meet so many different people. And it's especially cool when you meet people who are a part of something that mean a lot, you know, something that means a lot to you. And, you know, I know the Warriors means the world to you yeah, and very your dad and your brothers. Family, yeah. um, you know, I, I met Tim Curry last year. I'm going to talk about that till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, meeting these people and having conversations with them and, and having them be so incredibly nice and so down to earth. I was actually having a conversation with someone, uh, another Warriors fan uh, in Warriors Alley, as you were calling it. Yeah. And he just he just couldn't get over how unbelievably nice every everyone was. You know, the entire cast that that you know that was there, and he was just he's like, oh, I'm, I've been a huge fan of the Warriors. I said, you know, I'm a I'm kind of a newer fan of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been watching it for oh, a decade at this point. Close to yeah, it's um, one of the first movies I had you watch with me, right? Um, but you know, I, I don't have the history that some other people have, but I get it. I get it. And, you know, he was just he was just so beside. He was like, I just I just love how nice they are. And I told him that, you know, we cover a lot of conventions and it's really it's really disheartening when you meet someone who you're excited, who's part of a, a franchise that you're really excited about or part of your favorite film or TV show or what have you. And you meet this person and it's not everything that you wanted it to be. Now, I know everyone has off days, but, you know, sometimes you meet someone and it's just like, oh, okay. I think the only one who doesn't have off days is probably John Barrowman. 
Like, I don't think he has an off day. I don't think he has an off fans. switch. I think he's just on constantly. He's fabulous. Well, the, um, I, I, I want to wear his shoes. But anyways. Kind of to build on what you were saying about, like, getting to meet people. It's not just us fans that want to meet people. Uh, there's a great story that you'll hear later on uh, from Brian Tyler talking about. And he he talked about this at the, uh, at the Q&A session. But he tells the story again. On uh, during one of his inter uh, one of one of our interviews, our interview with him, obviously he tells the story of uh, someone that he really wanted to meet, who was actually at Super Mega Fest, and you know I'm not going to spoil it. You know you got to listen. Um, it was a great story, and you know it was a great experience for him because he held this person in such high regard and high esteem for what they did, and no one's ever heard this. At least I don't think so. Like it's not a a public thing. It's not a, a something that they did for you know notoriety or you know attention or anything like that. They just did it because it was the right thing to do. So you'll hear that uh, coming up a little later on. So uh, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Super Mega Fest? It was a super mega good time. Yeah. Um, I think instead of continually talk continuing to talk about Super Mega Fest, I think we'll go to break. Yep. And when we come back, you are going to hear. Our interviews with the cast of the Warriors, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have as much fun with it as we did. Yeah, and there's a, a brief introduction before each one, and I hope you enjoy that too because it, it was fun cutting that up and putting that together. Uh, we'll be right back, and after these uh, messages, you will hear our interviews with the cast of the Warriors. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> well, hello there, neighborinos. The handle's Mr. Most Days Off, but my friends call me Miles, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hello, Mr. Most Days Off. <laughs> and that's my best friend, Richie the Whiz Kid, the co-host of Best Darn Diddly. Hi, diddly ho there, podcasterinos. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series, hosted by us. Two guys who grew up loving The Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every do. So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid, sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig 
We are here at Super Mega Fest, and we are here over at the, for lack of a better word, Warriors Alley. And uh, we are here with uh, costume designer Bobby Mannix. Bobby, how are you today? I'm just great, actually. And uh, we met last night at the VIP party, and you actually were chatting up with my parents. Yes, I was about the movie. Your dad was so gracious. He's a big fan of the Warriors, big, big fan. And he's my age, so I'm sure I'm older than he is, but he was great with that. Now, you told a couple of really interesting stories that I want to get to uh, eventually. But uh, first of all, when you were were tasked with this massive undertaking, because there's a lot of different gangs that have to have a lot of different uh, looks and styles and feels to them, what did you think was the easiest and then most daunting part of your assignment? Let me think here. Actually, it was all one big effort, but it was easy for me because this is what I do in life. God gave me this talent, but you have to start somewhere. We started with the list that was given to me by Walter Hill, the director, of all the gangs, all their names. That's where we started. It was in the script that he wrote. And you read the script first, then you realize I have this huge conclave, this huge meeting to begin with. And in order for me, of course, my priority was the Warriors. That was my, my star gang. And the Warriors kind of give you a clue of who they are. Okay? And then, then we go on from there. So the list went on and on. And um, I realized I had this huge undertaking, this huge meeting. So what I did was I divided every gang by color. Because in the meeting, if I didn't do that, I would wind up with 120 gangs times 10 deep, all in denim and leather. Think about it. Think yeah, about it. True. Okay? What do gangs wear? Denim and leather. Denim and leather, like the Turnbull ACs. So in order to eliminate that, I came up with color, that colors. When I was with Earth, Wind & Fire, I did them by color also. Everybody's skin tone in Earth, Wind & Fire, for instance, has a different skin color, you know, and certain colors complement certain skins. Like your pink hair complements you. So that's how I work. I start with color. Same with Xanadu. I start with color. So anyway, with the Warriors, I started with color. Then I just came up with these crazy looks for every gang. And the Warrior, for instance, the Warriors, obviously, they need to look like Warriors. And they kind of quasi do. But within the gang, each has a certain personality by their name and by their, their real name and by their character name. So you just paint. I paint with clothes. So I paint like different, you know, jewelry or accessories or boots or shoes or jeans, whatever. So I actually paint, I've always painted with clothes. That's basically what I do. It's a canvas. And I go from there. Now, regarding the patches uh, that each individual gang wore, did you have a hand in creating those? I designed them all. You designed them all? I designed all the makeup, all the patches, all the gang clothes, everything. And I had all the patches made. They were made all in Los Angeles. I was working in New York, but I would send to L.A. for the patches because in those days, they were all hand-stitched. Wow. Today, they're all done on computer. Yeah. Okay, but in those days, they were all hand-done. Oh, wow. Wow, that's, that's impressive because like, some of the coolest designs are all these different like logos that these gangs have. These and- patches are all represented in... Um, I have many more at home, but 
these are some of the patches that I designed. The Warriors, the Skulls, the Electric Eliminators, the Alley Cats, the Moon Riders, and of course the Baseball Furies. They, they're the most traditionally famous patches right now. Well, so are the Warriors. But these are all done in, um, the Furies are all done in chenille, which is like, you know, Letterman sweater with a letter on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a nubby, a nubby stitch. They don't do that much anymore. And so you can only get them done affordably on a computer right now. So those are the patches that I have, and I have prints of all those. It's great stuff. I just recently, because I've had, I've had this stuff for so long, 40 years to be exact, all these samples of things, I, am, I just had everything appraised to go to auction. There's a uh, collector in, the, um, in, in, in Los Angeles called the Golden Closet, and she'll be representing the whole, all the original sketches, all the original artwork, all the original patches, everything. So she's the one that put prices on everything, and she'll take over from here. Because it should be out in the world where people appreciate it. It's just sitting at home with me, loving hands at home, but it's time to let go. I mean, that makes sense. Like, you know, so many people share, like, you know, these original movie props and, and costumes and things that they're out there, you know, because there's a market for this, too. We have to pass it on to, from generation to generation, especially the Warriors fans were so great last night. I mean, you know, it needs to be out in the world. It just can't stay in a closet in my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. Even, like, the, the, the um, you know, the fact that you want it to be out there and you want to share it with people. Yeah. It's definitely time. Do you have a favorite design from the film that you created? The Warriors, the whole Warrior thing. They're my faves. They're they're my, I I call them my kids. They're so cute, you know. And the movie's so cute. At the time, the movie wasn't so cute. Uh, When it was released, it was um, actually, I think, pulled from the theaters in Westwood, California, because people were getting, I think somebody got shot or killed from it. And it was considered dangerous. You know, parents didn't want their kids to go see. Now it's just fine compared to, on the scheme of things, you know, everything's fine. Yeah. So that's it. So you've worked on, you know, numerous films. So, you know, obviously, you know, we're focused on the Warriors because that's, you know, kind of the, the theme. That's the, the theme of this weekend. But uh, tell us about some of the other films that you've worked on for folks who, you know, because a lot of behind-the-scenes folks don't get the due that they deserve. Um, you know, like I know there's a campaign for stuntmen to get Oscars now. Um, which, working with this type of film, you understand that that's something that definitely should happen. So, uh, yeah, tell us a, a little bit about some of your other work, because, like you said, I had no idea you worked with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Had you told my dad that last night, he would have lost his mind, because I grew up on Earth, Wind, and Fire, too. Yes, they're awesome. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about some of your... Uh, Give us your resume, so so to speak. Well, let me see if I can think what I've done. I've done so much in my long career. I did Xanadu, which was spectacular. Um, I did The Long Riders, which was an incredible uh, feature film western. It was the sixth remake of the story of Jesse James in Hollywood. And, in, and the story of Jesse James was all the robbing brothers. Well, Walter Hill put together all the acting brothers, Walter being the director. Uh, the Keaches, the Quades, the Carradines, the Guest Brothers. It was great. Um, then I was with Earth, Wind, and Fire, as I said. That was a phenomenal experience. I was with them for about a year uh, on the last United States and European tour when Maurice White was alive. Mm-hmm. Then I've done 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the second one with Jessica Biel. Yep. My very first feature film was At Long Last Love with Peter Bogdanovich, which you kids don't even remember. I did um, Uncle Joe Shannon. I've done a bunch of stuff that I don't even remember what I did. I've done over 2,500 commercials. I do remember that. And to this day, I still do quite a few commercials. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. What are, what are some of the commercials where we can see your, your work, like stuff that's kicking around now? Okay, I do all the American Express. I did the American Express around the world years ago. I do all the uh, national and enterprise commercials today. You see them. Um, I do a lot of American Airlines. I do a lot of stuff. I don't even remember. Commercials go so fast. I do a lot of pharmaceutical commercials, pharma, that kind of stuff. Um, if I can remember any more, I'll let you know. <laughs> so, before we let you go, yes. would you mind sharing the story that you shared last night mm-hmm. about the extras running off with the costumes? Okay, this is, this, this is from what I remember. I worked all day on the Warriors as a costume designer. I was a day, I worked during the day to get work done when people work. People sew, people shop, blah, blah, blah. The Warriors shot all night for four months, just about all night. So I would go to this set like at four o'clock in the afternoon and leave maybe at 11 because I had to go to work the next day and they would be shooting all night. But often I would go leave the set depending on the neighborhood. I didn't go all the time. You know, I went, of course, to the Conclave and Riverside Drive, but I didn't go to some of the bad, bad sections where they shot because I was afraid to go home at night. So anyway, um, I remember being in Riverside Park, watching the Conclave, leaving the set around 11, and all of a sudden in, my, in the taxi I would see people like on the sidewalks walking away with our costumes on. And I'd go the heck but then after I saw it the second or third night I realized the kids would come in with junk clothes be smart because they were making no money in those days and walk off with the costumes because they were better than collecting their own clothes so in other words you know they were taking clothes bye bye and I'm sure we never saw those kids again or they'd come back the next night but they would leave whenever they wanted which was unheard of today you could never do that because they work on a, a voucher system and a strict system where you get paid they hold your vouchers if you don't show up to hand in your voucher at the end of the night you don't get paid but in those days bye bye see you and they'd walk off the clothes <laughs> it was funny i'm sure that was something that was rampant and that's probably what now why they changed that that system well, Bobby, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. And uh, you know, now that we know like so much more of your work, now every time we watch it, we have a little bit more of a appreciation for everything that goes back into the into this film. Sneak it on my website or IMDb last night. I say, okay. Well, you know, if you're going to talk to someone, it's nice to know what they've done. Yes, yes. I forget about that stuff. You know, I'm not a techie, and I'm all, I'm all right-brained. I have nothing in my left brain. And doing computers and all that stuff, that's too much information for me. It makes me, like, I would be crazy. So this way, I'm, I'm very happy being all right-brained. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Now, here's the lineup. Swan, second in command, war chief. Stay by me. We are here again in uh, Warrior's Alley, and we are here with Dorsey Wright, Mr. Cleon himself. (laughs) And uh, 
I want to I want to say I know you meet like tons and tons of people. We were at the VIP last night. You took a picture with my dad and I. Oh, good. And uh, the the my dad was so happy, like because he's such a huge fan. Uh, he was telling everybody who would listen about the story how when my my brother was very young, about one and a half to two. He was running around the house yelling, can you dig it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he got in trouble with my mom because you don't want a two-year-old watching this movie. No, you don't. I'm not picking up lines from the Warriors, no. Now, you've done other stuff other than the Warriors. Tell folks a little bit about what you've done because, you know, I'm sure this is where people are going to know you most, most often from. But what else have you done that uh, you want to you promote? I've done uh, the movie Hair uh, with Milos Forman which I call my uh, father of film. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, every time I talk about Milos, I get just a little teary-eyed. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even be in the business. Um, also did Ragtime, which was with Milos Foreman, <laughs> and uh, Hotel New Hampshire. Um, I played Jodie Foster's husband, and that was Richardson. Tony Richardson was the director there. But, of course... I don't care what else I've done. I've done a lot of television. I do voiceovers now. I'm with Abrams Artist. Um, also wrote a script called Butt Naked and Broken Cat Man Do, which I'm trying to push now, which is like a Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction type thing. And I'm finishing up my last of 30 years at New York City Transit Authority. But of course, as with anything else, I will only be remembered as Cleon from the Warriors, period. Well, that's why we want to, like, you know, let folks, uh, you know, know a little bit more about you. So, because you have lots of other hobbies and interests and yeah. things that you do. Now, one of the things we like to ask folks, and I, and I asked it last night, but we didn't get an answer from everybody. Uh, you know, at a convention, if there was anyone you could have ever met, you know, now, past, whatever, who would you have wanted to meet? You know, who, do you, who do you spend your money on and wait in line to see? Wow. I've, I've met so many people. I mean, the, the most recent was Fred Williamson, who, who I thought was an amazing person. But I haven't met Jeff Goldblum, who I see as a, an acting idol of mine, and um, Christopher Walken. And I know that may seem strange to some people, especially when they go, isn't this guy black? Um, <laughs> and it's because of their acting style. You can't, at least I can't believe that half of the dialogue that comes out of their mouth was written on paper. And to me, that's the key to acting. If you're sitting there going, somebody wrote this dialogue? And both of them are so eclectic with their dialogue and the stopping and going. and They're amazing. So I would love to meet either one of them to find out more about how the hell do you pull that off. Now, is there a specific scene that, you know, with either one of them that you're like, man, like this is the absolute best. I mean, for me... The walking scene that comes to mind right away is is the scene in uh, True Romance with him and Dennis Hopper going back and forth. Like for me, like that, I would want to pick his brain about that. Now, is there is there one for you? Wow, there's, there's King of New York. There's you pick one. Um, Jeff Goldblum. Every movie, it's every line they say to me is an iconic line because. I read something, I don't know if it's true about Jeff Goldblum, that he erases or takes out all the punctuation marks in the script. Because the way we're talking now, there are no punctuations, there's no commas, there's none of that. So that it, it flows into like this one big gigantic sentence. 
And I went, nah, I don't know about that. But I can't pick a specific scene between the two of them. All of their movies are just have me sitting there going, this is amazing. This is amazing. Oh, that makes sense. You know, when you you are so like uh, enamored by somebody and like their their skill that they have. You know, that's like saying you know pick pick one Michael Jackson song or right, it's, yeah. Won't work, yeah. Right. What have you got? Well, I was just curious if you had a favorite scene that you weren't involved with in the Warriors. Every scene where there was fighting in action. <laughs> I t- I tell everybody real quick. I I came in to the Warriors with a different mindset that. This was from the book like an Othello type thing. And I'm doing this great thespian routine. And then I come to see the movie and it's like after my character dies, it becomes this bang, boom. I mean, something that I'd pay twice the money to see. And I'm going, what the hell were you thinking? You know, it's like this guy with this stick shove, you know where. And then the movie becomes this great action. And I'm going, I missed all the good stuff. I mean... The superhero, it, it seems corny today because Warriors is not as, as graphic as the other movies that are out here. But it had that Batman-y, you know, type of pow, poom, pang. And that's what I missed. Every scene that had the running and all of that, I had that one little scene of some pow, poom. But believe me, after seeing the movie, it was like, I wanted to do more. I would love to run. And I spoke to the director at a, a show we had. We called him on the phone, and he said, Maybe it was a mistake to take you out of the, the movie that early. And I said, no, because if it worked, it worked. It would be a mistake if the movie didn't work. The movie worked. So everything. And that makes sense. A personal thing. Uh, my, I texted the picture of uh, the three of us, you, me, and my dad, to my brothers. And uh, my middle brother was like, oh, that's a great picture. He goes, it's nice to see that Cleon doesn't have a nightstick shoved halfway yeah. up his ass. <laughs> Good. Thank you very much, brah. <laughs> no, I, p- people ask me, one of the main questions is, do you think Cleon died? And I go, yeah. Because, yeah. because I think he was an idiot. I mean, really. Uh, there's a shootout. You know, there's an illegal conclave. Somebody gets killed. <laughs> and your instinct is to, I'm going to go over and look at the body with a bullet hole in it after everyone screamed, you're the one who did it. Yeah, he deserves to get his ass kicked. He should be dead. Yeah, I, I, I always get the impression that like, yeah, he's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a dumb move. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. And uh, good luck with your uh, with your screenplay. Good. Butt Naked and Broken Catman Do. Which sounds awesome. Which sounds awesome. It's very strange. Thurman, <laughs> you're the bear. You carry the tokens and the bread. So we are here at uh, Super Mega Fest. We are in uh, Warriors Alley yet again, and we are here with Terry Micus, who played Vermin. And uh, Terry, how are you doing today? A little tired. We went to an Italian restaurant last night, late after all the shows and the question and answer. Um, ate a good meal, had a little glass of red wine, got to bed too late. And um, other than that, though, the fans are terrific. They love the Warriors. They're coming here. They're destination shoppers, a lot of them. They know what they want. They love the movie. And we always love engaging the fans. Well, we love the fact that you guys still come out and do this. I was going to say come out and play, but that's a little uh, little hokey. Because <laughs> I'm sure you've never heard that before. So we, uh, we, we were at the VIP experience last night, which was really cool. I love the fact that you guys do this, because not everybody does. And uh, you answered a lot of the questions. And uh, Now, one of the things that when we met a couple of years ago at this very show... 
uh, I had asked my dad, because my dad's a huge fan, and I said, is there anything, any questions you have for these guys? And the first thing he said was, I want to know if that was Vermin who gets thrown into the, the mirror in the bathroom scene. And I asked you that question, you touched on it last night. If you want to expand upon that a little bit for the folks. Well, I think just we did all of our stunts. It was very, you know, grueling. We would do takes 5, 10, 15, 20 times. The Turnbull ACs, they chased us down that road so many times, I can't even remember. But they cast the show based on very physical actors. The lines, you know, as long as you had the look and things, the demeanor, you could pull the lines off because it wasn't, I mean, the lines are awesome. But it wasn't a real, you know, dramatic, in-depth, scripted piece, though the script was good. So they needed to make sure they could get things done. That was the key to them. So we did all of them, but that one, it was just too dangerous at the time. What they did is they had a little trampoline, and they had me jump on it, jump up, and then they cut to the other guy who jumped up, and the stunt person, they made his hair dark, and they smashed him into the mirror. I don't think things were as sophisticated back then, so I probably would have been cut pretty good if I didn't know what I was doing. And then you had to hit the sink and then roll off. So, But other than that, we did all our stunts. We, uh, we just covered the Warriors last week on the show. And uh, one of the things that we, we found out in our research is that during preparation for the movie, you were trying to make your character more memorable. You know, maybe, you know, get some, get some good lines in there and, you know, provide more of a, a comic relief, for lack of a better term, in a, a mostly serious film. So uh, can you walk us through that a little bit? How'd you find that out? Just looking at different articles and things. Yeah, yeah it was more just uh, if you look at the if uh, uh, the uh, scene in the cemetery. If you really look at the early part of the film, you'll see everybody saying, "Swan Sport Chief, okay, big boy." And we were all sounded the same. We were trying to. It was really early in the shooting. We we're trying to find our way, but you know, Swan and Ajax and Cleon and Cochise, they had all these strong stoic roles and. I'm thinking, Vermin's not going to survive in this. I'm going to end up not being known in this film, and that's not going to happen. So I just started, there was an old TV series, you have to be my age to understand it. It was a cartoon called Hercules, and there was a character in there, I forget his name and I should know it. It's a half man and half horse, and whenever he got excited, he said everything twice. He would go, Herc, Herc. So I decided that Vermin, whenever he got excited... He was going to talk in a high voice and say everything twice. So we're going to get jabbed here. We're going to get jabbed. Hurt me, hurt me. I like that. I like it. And then I started making him a little, you know, fun. And it seemed to work. I stayed through the whole film. I'm not sure Vermin was supposed to get through the whole film. I don't remember the script. But I think it brought a lot to the film. I thought uh, there's a lot of people that come up to me, and everyone has their favorites. But a lot of people come up to me and say, I love Vermin, because Vermin was just like I was. He was, he was you know, funny and, and always goofing around, and I said, and extremely handsome and cute, right? And they go, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yes. I'm just joking. Yeah, it was, I did enjoy some of, uh, you know, like, the way you, you know, would get, like, kind of excited and, you know, like, you know, we might be here forever, and I'm sick of waiting for trains. Vermin is my favorite, so, yes. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's very in- she's a scientist, so, you know, that's she's smart. She knows what she's good. She knows what she's doing. Um, so here's the line you're saying. How much longer we got to wait? 
we might be here forever. I'm sick of waiting for trains. That's what you're talking about. Yes, yes. And then Swan says, Vermin, sit down and shut up. And I go, okay, okay. (laughs) Like I said, it it, it provides a little bit of levity in like a really tense situation. Like everybody's just like hyper-focused and you're just like, yeah. Same with like when the bathroom scene, when Deb said, I can't go in there, that's a men's room. And the line was, are you kidding? But it just didn't finish. So I said, are you kidding? And then I looked at her and I said, and I grabbed her and just yanked her in the bathroom. And, you know, in the movie theater, you know, the house came down. Oh, yeah, the look on her face was priceless, too. Like, that was so good. Like, that was, that might be one of my favorite moments of the film, just because of, like, how just, like, out of left field it comes. Like, you're, you're in the middle of all these brawls and battles. Like, you just escaped with your life, and then it's like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. Um, she's running around with all these orphans. We don't know what she's doing. And she's kissing Swan in the subway. Come on, man. Come on, just one time. How do you like it? But she can't go in the men's room? Sorry. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the Warriors, but you you know, you know, do other things. So what are some hobbies, maybe something that uh, people might not know about you? I don't have a lot of hobbies. Uh, I mean, I probably do. I don't know. I raised four kids. Um, my last one's... I just paid the last college bill this month. Congratulations. Oh, uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't understand. And um, she's got a job on Capitol Hill. She's working for a congressman. I worked as a television news anchor for a local news for 17 years. I was the news director and on-air news anchor. Did a political talk show. It was local, but we still had, you know, all the people come in and we interviewed them all, you know, U.S. senators and congressmen and governors. Then I went to work on Capitol Hill for Congresswoman Nan Hayworth as her press secretary. And now I work, well, I work as a political consultant, but I also work as an administrative pastor for a church. And, um, you know, it's a big church, and big, they have a K-12 through school. And I do Warriors conventions with these guys, and we're all close. And that's rare. We all laugh and hang out. I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of, you've known each other forever, but really get along. And that does not happen in films very much. I mean, we've been friends for a long time. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. You know, thank you for coming out and doing this and giving folks like my dad the opportunity to, you know, see you guys off screen and hear some really cool, like, behind-the-scenes stories. So just remember, if you ever get in a jam, you're going to have to bop your way back. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Fox, scout and memory man, run ahead and tell us all we need to know. So we are here in uh, Warriors Alley at Super Mega Fest, and uh, we are here with Tom Waits. And uh, Tom, you were uh, part of two cult classic movies that did not get their due in the time in which they were released. Talking, of course, about the Warriors, which is why you're here, and of course uh, for the Thing, where you played Windows. So, can you tell me a little bit about because these were these filmed only a few years apart. What was the, the, the experience like comparing the two of them? Like, what was, you know, obviously they're in completely different settings, but what was it like, like the shooting schedule, like the physical activity? Okay, so first of all, I think it's only fair to your audience to, even though most people do call me Tom, my name is Thomas G. Waits, to uh, individuate or um, separate me, if you will, from the great Tom Waits 
um, the genius music composer, singer, songwriter. So The Warriors was a great film up until that guy got pushed on the train tracks. Yeah. Then it kind of lost interest for me. I mean, that's what the New York Times said, but, you know, what do they know? The New York Times. I mean, they're, they're going out of business anyway, right? Yeah. They're going under, right? The New York Times. <laughs> don't know anything of those people. The Warriors was a sort of coming-of-age project for me personally. I, I was very young. I was 23. I was out of acting school a couple years maybe, not even two years. And um, Michael and I were both put under option by Paramount, which is something they don't even do anymore, sorry. Um, an option is, a you know, studio would, would option talent, like they option Pacino, they option De Niro, they option Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. They would select a talent. They, they, they would think that someone like Michael would have a big, or I would have a big career, so they pay us a whole bunch of money to sit at home and read scripts and not take other jobs without notifying them first. Mm-hmm. It's a very elevated distinction. Yeah. And so I, I got this ton of money. I was a really poor kid, you know. And uh, I was poor but honest. You know, I think I couldn't handle it very well. Interestingly enough, the movie that because I was offered The Wanderers at the same time. So I had a choice to make, you know, which is going to be better for my... The great Scott Rudin, you know, who's a big film producer, Broadway producer, he started as a casting director. I don't know if anybody knows that, but... He was just a casting director, which is just the guy in between, you know, that brings you into it. So he was one of the casting directors involved in... He took me out to dinner and he said, you realize you're going to be offered the lead in each of these two films. You have a big decision to make. You know? Of course, he wouldn't talk to me now. <laughs> a little peon like me, forget it. I spoke with Philip Kaufman and he told me the kind of film. And Philip Kaufman was, is a very intellectual, cerebral, fine director. And that attracted me. And then I, I talked to Walter and... We screened Rebel Without a Cause. And he's like, you know, that's the guy that I want to create, sort of a la James Dean. And I thought, all right, well, I'm going to go with Walter because, you know, he and I, we have the same idea of the movie that we want to make and big decision in my career. Then we got to the set and, you know, every night it was like fight scene after fight scene. I felt that it was condoning violence. Now, that's all well and good for me to think that. A, read the script, Tom. It was in there. And B, it's not my position to question the director's authority and autonomy. And so I kept questioning him about his decisions regarding when we were, we were going to do the love scenes. And, and it pissed him off. And so he said, I want him out of here. And it had a deleterious effect on my career and then I exacerbated that unadvised decision by taking my name off the credits the thing however was so much fun one of the highlights of my life and John Carpenter is a great director Kurt Russell is an amazing guy the cast was amazing I'm friends with many of them to this day and it was like one four month long 
party in the best sense of the word. And John Carpenter is... I, I don't have a vocabulary expansive enough to describe to you what kind of a guy he is. But if you let me sign this autograph, I'll get right back to you, okay? Sure. Obviously, you know, being on in, on the thing was, you know, like you said, like a four-month-long party, which... <laughs> that's that's actually a friend of ours. Okay. Um, now, was there like a similar vibe with the Warriors, like just you, know, you guys in general? You know, like say, you know, when the when the cameras weren't on, you know, do, did you guys yeah. hang out a lot? Yeah, because it's an ensemble. You know, and there's a, a film I did before that called On the Yard, which was my first film. It's very strange that a man who absolutely worships women. Thank you very much. Um, is cast in all these movies with all these dudes. <laughs> I mean, guys everywhere. But we all hung out together, you know. We hung out and got to know each other and spent a lot of time together. Uh, Keith David and I knew each other from Juilliard. He was a year behind me, I think, two years behind me. And um, so I knew him, spent a lot of time with Keith. Joel Polis, who played Blair, Wilford, the great Wilford Brimley. Uh, who's an amazing individual. If you ever get a chance to meet him, it'll change your life. And, yeah, we spent a lot of time together as a group. You know, there's a lot... I mean, you do movies, there's a lot of sitting around. You sit around and wait and wait and wait till they get the shot exactly right, and then finally, you know, you work for a few minutes and then you wait and wait. It's just the nature of the beast, you know. I feel very blessed and very fortunate to have been in both films... The Warriors, obviously, a more painful lesson because I got fired. But I learned a, a, a tremendous um, and, and valuable lesson from that. You know, uh, keep your mouth shut and do your job and leave the poor director alone because he's got a lot of... And now that I'm a director and I direct a lot of plays and I've directed two short films, I know the pressure that we're under and... and I had no sensitivity to Walter's feelings. You know, I was just all about me. And when you're all about you, the self, nothing good can come of that. And that's what I've learned, painful though it was. I did go into therapy and become a black belt in karate as a result of having gotten fired from the Warriors. So I tried to make it and became a musician. I tried to make it work for me. You know, when bad things happen, don't let them pull you down. Use them as a catalyst for change in your life. And I think I did that. And that's what brought me the good fortune of getting into American Buffalo with Al Pacino, which is what John Carpenter and Kurt Russell saw. And that's why they brought me into audition for the thing. Um, so I've been, I'm a lucky guy. Now, uh, speaking of, you know, Taking hard times and turning them into good things. Now, uh, you would, we we uh, we saw you perform last night, and uh, you had mentioned uh, that you have been sober for a very long time, and that that was uh, obviously a difficult period in your life. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how uh, that changed you and turned you into you know the the man you are today? Sure. Um Fifteen and a half years without a drink is a long time for an alcoholic. You know, for us to go one day without a drink is a long time. It can be an eternity, you know. 
in the early days are very, very, very difficult. But you can do it, I believe, with the, the help and grace of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's how I did it. I know I'm breaking my own anonymity, but that's my purview. That's my right. Uh, if it can help some kid out there that's drunk and hears this interview and goes, you know what, you know, if that idiot can get sober, then I can. Um, I, I lost my wife, I lost my kids, I lost my career, and I almost lost my life as a result of alcohol. Uh, I was never a drug addict, but an addict nonetheless. And I, I went to some very dark places you know, which you heard from my music last night, I've tried to turn around and turn them into useful experiences. Pain is the only teacher. And the other thing I learned, uh, and I learned this from the great actor, Kelsey Grammer, whom I've had uh, the great good fortune to reconnect with, because we had gone to acting school together. He did a reading of my play, as I mentioned, McCare. And while we were over there in London, he spoke with these students that I was teaching over there. Because I do a lot of teaching. He said, addiction is grief. You're grieving something and you don't know it. And as soon as you find out what it is, you can break that addiction. That's a wise and sagacious insight into... Uh, he's a brilliant man. I mean, uh, you know, Frazier, I know Cheers, but but he's even better than all of that. Like, He's like a cross between John Wayne and Peter O'Toole. I mean, he's really a brilliant... Ta- and he's a great guy, you know. He's humble as dirt, and, you know, I directed him in this reading, and you would have thought the guy had never worked as an actor and never was going to work again the way he behaved. He was like as innocent as a newborn babe, you know. I think we need to work to fight to maintain our wonder and our innocence at the beauty of life. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. And good luck in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. I hope I see you again. I, if you guys come back around, we will be here. Cochise, Ajax, Soldier of the Middle. Heavy muscle. So we're here still in uh, Warriors Alley. Now we are here with David Harris, who uh, played Cochise and uh, likes to co-opt other people's uh, catchphrases from time to time, but uh, does a really nice job at it like, and puts a lot of emphasis in it. So, uh, David, thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, it's, uh, it's an honor. The honor is all mine, believe me. Like, I... Like we were just talking a little bit off air, I grew up with the Warriors. I've probably seen it, you know, two hundred times. I've seen all the different versions. Uh, I remember we used to watch it on TV all the time, and there was a lot of stuff that was cut out, obviously. So my dad finally was like, "You know what? You guys are ready to watch the real version." So we went to the video store and we rented it, and there was all these extra scenes, like the the scene at the very beginning where Cleon's handing out all the assignments to people, which you can't really see in most of these uh, these director's cuts and stuff. Right. And all these, you know, extra scenes of you guys walking up to the the conclave, you know, like, go, you know, Ajax, like, oh, no one's going to be there, you know. And so the question I have to ask, first off, because it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, uh, when you guys are escaping the Lizzie's, smashing through that door, 
Now, did you know that door was going to explode the way that it did? Yeah, actually, actually, uh, I did. The uh, prop person said, listen, David, don't worry about this, okay? The door will explode. It's made out of bunks of wood, so you're not going to get hurt. That was candy glass, so it was all set. So I just went right through it, and we did it in two, ti- two times. We, t- we had two takes, and Walter got the shot. And when you slow it down, it looks absolutely magnificent. It looks magnificent at full speed, too. So when you were in the process of, uh, you know, looking into this role, when you were first thinking about it, like, what attracted you to the role of Cochise? And were you up for Cochise to begin with, or were you up for somebody else, and you fell into it? Well, with Cochise, I was actually the last warrior to be cast. I was in Minnesota doing a play called Streamers. I got back to to New York City. My agent said, David, I'm going to send you up for this role of Cochise in the Warriors. The director's having a difficult time finding the right person that would fit this role. He auditioned a lot of other people, so why not? Go up and meet, you know, Walter Hill and the producers and all that. So I go up to Paramount. I had two scenes well prepared to do, to read. And I walk. I'll never forget, I walked into Walter's office. And Walter's kind of guy, he kind of has a toothpick in his mouth, and he kind of you know, looks at you. So he looks at me, and I'm ready to do the scenes. And he goes, ready to read? I went, yeah. He goes, go down to costumes. I didn't, I didn't understand. I mean, what? So I ran out, and at that time, there were no cell phones. So he couldn't make a phone call. He had to run to the nearest phone booth, you know. And I ran outside, ran to the nearest phone booth, called my agent. Say, hey, wait, this guy just told me to go to Walter. What does that mean? He goes, you got the job. Shut up. You got the job. And I was like so dumbfounded. I said, oh, okay, cool. You know, you know so I ran home and told all my friends, hey, I got this movie called The Warriors. I'm going to eat cold cheese. I'm one of the Warriors. Well, what is The Warriors? Because nobody heard of it yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, so that's what came down with me. That's, real, that's a cool story. I like that. Um, so we talked a little bit. Last night, and you had uh, made a comment on because uh, we were at the VIP, like I said, and uh, one of my questions was about the uh, the Molotov cocktail against the uh, the orphans, and uh, that was uh, it went a little bit different than you guys expected. So, it, can you expand on that a little bit? Well, it went a whole lot different than what we expected. I think the pyrotechnical guy that 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 was that rigged the car with the explosive put just a, a hair too much in there. And when it blew up, it just, like, as Deborah said, the whole hood of the car went flying on top of the builder's roof, you know? And so we didn't expect that. We just didn't. And uh, the concussion really hit me, hit my leg. And if you watch the movie, you can see Cochise limp away. When we were going up the stairs to the subway, I'm limping because it was just, you know. Yeah, but that. We did not expect that. It looked really intense. Yeah, it, it was. But we didn't expect it. So. You've uh, you've really like you know given us some of this, the background stuff uh, for the Warriors. Now, what's what's a, a story that happened that you know something something crazy, like uh, Dorsey told us last night about uh, uh, Homicide Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, do you have something like that? Or yes, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, every movie set has caterers, right? So we got kind of a little tired of eating the food from the caterers. We said, ah. Let's just go to a local restaurant or, you know, fast food joint and do something different. And we did. They broke for lunch. And it was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the evening. 
and we walked into this local, I can't mention the restaurant because it's a chain, and we walked in there, and you know, we ordered our hamburgers and fries and blah, blah, blah. And after we sat down, this gang that's in the movie called the Turnbull ACs, the ball-headed guys that's on the truck that chases us, mm-hmm. well, about 20 of them walked in, and everybody in the restaurant got up and left. Because <laughs> they thought that was the real deal. So they weren't, they weren't intimidated, by the, intimidated by the Warriors, but when the Turnbull ACs walked in there, everybody dropped their hamburgers and fries and went, Exit stage right. They got the hell out of that restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I, all right. You know, maybe because there was you know more of them than there were of you. Yeah. That might be it. But they kind of look a little vicious, you know. I mean, they all had bald, shaved heads, and you know they're kind of looking intense, intense looking guys. Yeah, like you know, like they say in the movie, those some desperate dudes. <laughs> right. <laughs> there were some desperate dudes. <laughs> so obviously, folks know you from the Warriors. Uh, what else would p- folks have would know you from? Like, what else have you done? One of my uh, most iconic films that I did was something called A Soldier's Story. Opposite Denzel Washington, Adolf Caesar, Larry Raleigh, Howard Rollins. I mean, it's an amazing group of actors in this movie. Directed by Norman Larison. I mean, it was, I mean Norman Schulson. <laughs> And it was an incredible movie. And I also worked with Kevin Bacon and Quicksilver, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Fatal Beauty. I mean, I've done a lot, a lot of movies, you know, a lot of episodic television, you know. Now, do people just normally, if they see you, they're like, oh, yeah, you're that guy from the Warriors? Or is Basically, I get, come out and play. I mean, they identify me with the Warriors. I mean, that's, you know. I've been doing my best not to say come out and play to any of you guys that we've been interviewing today because I'm sure you've heard it a hundred thousand times and I'm sure you'll hear it a hundred thousand more. So uh, we're not going to take up too much more of your time, but we do have uh, a couple more questions. So what's a, uh, and we talked a little bit about this off air, what's like a, a hidden talent, something that people wouldn't know that you do? Like, are you, you know, a great artist like do you like to paint stuff like that what's a, a hobby or a, a hidden talent that you have that uh, you wish more people knew about I like to garden I like flowers I like to work in my garden that's what I like to do it, it's, it's calming it's mm-hmm. relaxing to me I love the smell of flowers I like I like the different colors the beauty of plants so I get on my little knees and I have my little tools and I plant my little cucumbers and tomatoes and things like that and that makes me happy and it's it's definitely like a a, uh, a rewarding feeling that when you, you you spend all this time you know you're in the the sun and you're digging and it's it's, it's hard work but then you see all these plants bloom the beauty of it. yeah I yes. can I can totally see that you can dig it right I can dig it I can <laughs> dig it yes I can and that works on so many different levels for what we're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, we can definitely say that David Harris digs gardening. Absolutely. You got to put that on a shirt. <laughs> Good idea. I can dig it. Gardening. I can dig it. That's what you do. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank I you. very much appreciate thank it. You. And I'd just like to say uh, one word uh, to all of the oh, all your fans out there that are listening. If you can count, suckers! Hey, 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 hey. 
Now look at here what you find in the big city. We got to come to this part of town more often. The big CI. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Snowball, you're the music man. So we're here in uh, Warriors Alley with Mr. Brian Tyler, and uh, he played Snow, for those of you who are familiar with the film. At the VIP experience last night, there was a question that I've often wondered myself about whether any of the Warriors actors uh, prior to filming had had any type of uh, combat experience, whether it's you know martial arts, wrestling, any of that. And uh, the first, you were the only one who raised your hand. And like I said, the first uh, scene that I thought of was the left-right combo with the kick in the bathroom scene. So, again, can you uh, expand upon that a little bit for me? Yes. When we, when we did the movie, one of the reasons we were hired was because they wanted cast that was basically in shape, would be able to do a lot of their own stunts. And at the time, I happened to be practicing Taekwondo. So it was a good fit in that... I was able to take rehearsals well, and then when we did the scene in the bathroom especially, there was numerous takes, numerous rehearsals, and certainly my martial arts training at the time came in handy, very handy. Yeah, and it definitely uh, it definitely shone through, I would say that 100%. Uh, and now knowing that, the way that you, know, you kind of carry yourself as snow throughout the film is very uh, samurai-like, you know, very stoic. And, and like you said, uh, a man of few words, uh, which it would have been nice to see a little more character development uh, on that character. But when there's so many different characters, so many different colorful characters, you got to give a lot of uh, a lot of background on so many different people from you know. And it's not a long movie; it's about ninety minute movie. You know, depending on which cut you have. So, do you have a specific uh, memory of the film that you know you? Uh, you're like, man, like this was, this was what the, my favorite thing that I did. I would have to say, again, back to the bathroom scene, I think is my favorite scene. And not, not so much because uh, I had a fair play in the scene. It was a very complicated scene. It took a long time to shoot. It involved not only the train station, but also sets that were built in uh, Kaufman Astoria Studios in, in New York. And it was just... The whole coordination that it took between rehearsals, the actors, the stunt people, to learn it, to shoot it, and to shoot it so many times, and then it comes out the way it did in such a small time frame. I think that was one of my, my best experiences in the movie. And that, that might be my favorite scene. I mean, I, I love the Baseball Fury scene, but just the complexity of the fight scene, the choreography. I mean, Coach E's flipping a guy over with a chain. You doing a couple of those really cool moves with the bat where you flip the bat up into the guy's face. You know, obviously that uh, left-right kick uh, combo, that was really cool. So uh, one of the questions we like to ask everybody, and this will be the, the last question because I know, like you said, you're a man of few words. I asked it last night. I was uh, Unfortunately, not everybody answered. But, you know, you're at this convention. Folks are, like myself are coming up to meet you and talk to you. Who is someone that you would want to meet, you know, whether as a kid, now, you know, who is someone that you would want to spend your money and wait in line to meet at a convention? Hmm. Uh, not so sure, but last night I did mention that uh, Loretta Swit was here. And uh, I, I appreciated her time that a lot of people don't realize that uh, during 9-11, Loretta Swit had a food truck outside the Jacob Javits Center and spent a lot of time feeding all of the first responders that came in and out of uh, the Java Center. So I really appreciated seeing her there and doing that. 
and then fast forward, here she is at the same convention that I'm at. So there's there's so many people I could I could think of, uh, but that's the most personal I would think of. And it's also super fun to be here with the rest of the Warriors. I mean, I'm still starstruck by them, you know. And uh, and it's nice that we're friends. We actually get along, and we like each other. And that's been over 40 years, and that's, that's tough to find in any industry. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing that story. That's you know one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you, because that was a really cool story that you told last night. And, you know, I think more people should know about that. Like, that's... You know, like you said, you know, a lot of acts of charity, especially during that time, went, you know, unnoticed because there was just so much. And not everybody wants to draw attention to themselves, but I can see that it certainly meant something to you. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Mr. Tyler. Thank you. And uh, take care. All right. Now just remember this. There's a true sword, so don't go flexing any muscle unless I give the order. Okay? Let's roll. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. This is Emma. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon. Hi guys, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. And you're listening to Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes Von Nightmare. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. So I really hope you enjoyed those uh, interviews because they were a lot of fun to do. Um, it was you know, just so cool getting a chance to talk to these folks and have them you know, share their stories. Um, you know, some of them, as you heard, got uh, very intense, very personal. And you know, it's, it's not every day that you can get someone to open up like that, but um, I'm glad that they shared with us. It's always cool getting to know the person behind the characters. And it's always really cool to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at what went on in the film, filming and, you know, the filming process and and behind just just pretty much anything behind the scenes. I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's like a live-action director's commentary, you know, or an actor's commentary because they're telling you what happened you know, face to face, as opposed to hearing a, a pre-recorded audio track where you can go back and edit and things like that. But this is just raw and real, and it was, it was uh, really refreshing. I just want to say before we uh, wrap things up and go into uh, you know our 
upcoming attractions and give you some battle results. Um, when everybody was wrapping up and kind of leaving, you heard a couple of these guys talk about how they still have a really close relationship. They're still all friends. They still hang out or, or get together when they can. And as they were leaving, like watching these guys kind of interact, like, you know, hugging each other and, you know, saying their goodbyes. It was like, you know, old friends that hadn't seen each other in a while. Like it's legitimate. Like everything that they said was a hundred percent accurate. Like they weren't just saying it to make it sound cool. Like they really meant it and they live it. So, um, that was one of the best parts of the weekend for me. So, uh, we won't keep you too much longer. We've already, uh, just about hit an hour and a half. So ashes, um, we've got some battle results. Do we not? We do have some battle results. So last week we posed the battle rumble South of the Bronx, Aka bop to the top. Which gang has what it takes to leave the others wasted? Location was in the shadow of the Wonder Wheel at Coney Island. You could choose from the Street Sharks, the Biker Mice from Mars, the Warriors, or the Dancers from Michael Jackson's Beat It video. And uh, I feel like this is kind of unsurprising because this is who I voted for. The Street Sharks won. Yeah, that's who I voted for, too. I just... They're like, Street Sharks! Jossum! We won! As much as I love the Warriors, I just... Uh, you know, they're great A against bunch people. Of, like, oversized land sharks. Like, anthropomorphic sharks. I think the, the sharks Land shark. It. Yeah. So, Ashes, what do we... Uh, what do we have coming up in the next couple of weeks? We so, mentioned it a little bit, but yeah, so we have Wicked Weekend coming up. That is December sixth, seventh, and eighth. That is down in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. It is the first year for Wicked Weekend, so it would be wicked awesome if you came. Huh? See what I did there? Um, crazy guests: Felissa Rose, Kane Hodder, Michael Berryman. Um. Uh, the cast of Tyler Maine is going to be there. Uh, yeah, the reunion of the cast. It's what the twentieth reunion, 20th the twentieth year, nineteen ninety nine anniversary of the Blair Witch Project, which was such a groundbreaking film when it first came out. Uh, Ka- did you mention Catherine Hicks is going to be there? I did not. As well as who's the kid Kev- from uh, Child's Miko Play? Miko Hughes. No, that's not the kid from Child's no. Play. That's the kid from Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah. We always have. Who who is not Danny Torrance? But he'll be there too. (laughs) But he'll be there too. Um, But yeah, it's it's going to be a child's play reunion as well. And Linnea Quigley is going to be there doing photo ops as trash from Return of the Living Dead, which is amazing. Like that's not something that she really ever does. I don't. Yeah, yeah. She like she. I mean, she does photo ops and stuff quite often, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't dress up for them. So so this is really cool. So if you're a Return of the Living Dead fan. If you're a Linnea Quigley fan, definitely get your tickets and head down to Wicked Weekend. If you're a horror fan in general, like some of these uh, autograph prices are much lower than you would normally expect from some of these folks. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a great, great weekend. Uh, we're uh, we're going to be there. The Dorkening Network's going to be there. Uh, a lot of really cool horror fans. And it's uh, really the last kind of uh, horror thing that we're going to see until next year sometime. So 
Uh, definitely check it out. Get down there. We're, we'll be there. Everybody will be there. Deadly Grounds Coffee will Deadly be there. Deadly Grounds is going to be there, and I'm so excited. With the new flavors. Deadly Grounds was not at Rock and Shock because the owner of Deadly Grounds actually got married that weekend. So congrats to him. But I was, I was a little bummed they weren't there because... I need my coffee. Well, how do you think <laughs> want, Leo feels? I Leo's pretty much coffee. out. He was like twitching um, and stuff. <laughs> it's, an, it's an addiction, sir. Um, but yeah, so Deadly Grounds is going to be there. A whole bunch of awesome people are going to be there. It is celeb-packed, crazy vendors, so much fun. The panels, oh my God, the panels sound amazing. We're actually going to be doing panels this year. Yeah, uh, we're going to be, we're gonna be hosting some panels and doing some panels and paneling some panels so it's gonna be a lot of fun so definitely if you're interested come to wicked weekend we'll be posting some links and stuff so you can buy your tickets and come play with us forever and ever and ever or until they kick us out and with that being said we're not done yet what we're not done yet. We are not done yet. Oh. I have some things I need oh, to promote. I'm sorry. I, oh, that's Excuse right. Excuse you. It is getting late and I am getting tired. I forgot about that. Yes, you have some stuff you would like to promote. Now I remember. So if you like me and you would like to hear more of my beautiful, melodic, harmonious voice, then you can check out the most recent episode of the Best Darn Diddly podcast. That is a Simpsons-based podcast that actually Patrick has been on only once, but you, you it spanned I, two episodes. Yeah, I was supposed to be on for episode 98, and then they were going to do a two-parter for 99 and 100, but I rambled on so much that episode 98 was episode 98 and 99. So, um, so yeah, I joined them to discuss episode uh, i forget what number it is but it's from season eight it's called in marge we trust it's the mr sparkle episode so (laughs) he is a magnet for foodstuffs and so am i he is disrespectful (laughs) (laughs) so i had a lot of fun joining those guys talking some simpsons and if you're a simpsons fan or if you're a fan of me and just want to check it out do so. You can go to bestdarndiddly.com and uh, listen Stitcher, to the episode. Stitcher. Yeah, I believe it's where wherever, wherever you get your podcasts, podcasts are found. Yeah. Pretty much wherever you listen to us, you can also listen to the Best Darn Diddly podcast. I also... Check it out, fish bulbs. Yeah, I also was a guest on Patsy's show, Shark Bites, this past week. As well as Evil Corny, our friend Nick Ferrara, and uh, Jeremy McFarlane from the Pop Culture Purgatory. Yes, yes. Uh, He's done so many podcasts. He's just so good at it. I forgot which one for a moment there. Uh, Yeah, Pop Culture Purgatory. Um, We talked about the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. I specifically talked about how much I love the little baby babushka and uh, definitely check it out if you're into Star Wars, if you're loving The Mandalorian as much as we are, if you also have watched it multiple times, uh, each episode multiple times in anticipation of this week's episode and plan on watching this episode multiple times, uh, definitely check it out. There's some crazy knowledge that's dropped. Uh, some great reviews, some awesome opinions. Theories, prognostications. And uh, 
the little baby babushka. I love him so much. Yeah, I think we covered a lot in that episode. It's uh, just about two hours long. So yeah, it's pretty long, but and and we could have talked longer. That's, yes, that's the crazy thing. We could have talked could even have longer about these two episodes, and each episode wasn't even an hour long. Forty-one and thirty-three minutes. Like I that's think. what's so crazy. Um. So, anyways, definitely check that out. And with that being said, we we will will see you next Thursday. Thursday.